Ladies and gentlemen, after some major technical issues, we're about a half hour late now, even a little bit past what we normally would start here, I guess. Uh, but we do have some stuff to talk about. There has been some roster movements. We have a match to discuss that happened, and we have an upcoming match to discuss. So hopefully you're here to listen with this and, and have a good time. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. We are underway in the postseason, the first playoff game ever played in Orange County. So one to Godoy. He's found a great ball into Voltsen. Plenty of time. He smashes it off and doubles the visitors' lead. Thomas into Voltsen. Now Segber sprinting forward on the counterattack. A little handsy there. Crosses it. Pineda, the extra pass. Seaton finishes. It rolls down to his left and burying aside. All taken care of by the Orange County keeper. We'll leave it for Aiden Quinn. He'll strike towards goal! It's gone in! An equalizer and a winner in second half stoppage time for Orange County on the left boot of Aiden Quinn. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore soccer cast and on facebook at orange and black soccer cast how's it going orange county welcome to another episode of the orange and black soccer cast the first and only podcast dedicated to orange county soccer club its fans and supporters i'm your host ray samora and i'm with you each and every episode as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club. Joining me as he does each and every episode, we've got Dylan from County Line Coalition. Dylan, how are you and the crickets doing tonight? The crickets and I are great. I'm officially the Lord of the Crickets now, I think, is the nickname I'm going to give myself, I guess. Um, you know, I'm trying to survive in this. I don't like the heat. I'm going to complain about the heat. It's supposed to be like 90 later this week, and I'm, I'm not okay with that. Oh, you're going to bring on those uh, those wonderful friends of ours from the hotter parts of this country to come and sort of laugh at us, Dylan. That's fine. That's fine. They could do it. That's fine. I'm used to it. <laughs> um, also joining us, as he does pretty much every episode as well, down in San Diego, wearing his good old U.S. of A soccer kit. That is Alan. Alan, how are things down near the Mexico border? Uh, things are going pretty well. I uh, just signed up for solar. Uh, I got my four star kit the other day, so I'm sporting it today. Um, so we got four stars on our shirt. Uh, so I'm super stoked to start start talking about soccer. I know it's like half an hour late, but better late than never. Better late than ever. Yeah, we had some major technical issues. Long story short, last week I decided to clear a bunch of apps that I no longer thought I was using on my uh, computer that we use when I'm recording this, and I accidentally deleted one of our apps that basically helps run the sound for this and connect all the sounds. So that was my bad. Totally ruined what was going to be an amazing, awesome episode because we were going to bring on a guest. Uh, we finally decided to bring on someone from the club other than Richard Chaplow for actually some live questioning with us. Uh, but because of the technical issues and because I, I don't want to be that person that says, hey, just wait just like another five minutes, another five minutes. Oh, and then five minutes come. Wait another five minutes. I, I just let our guest go. Um, I don't want to disappoint anyone, so I won't really say anything. It might have been on the chats already what was going on. I don't know what Dylan and Alan are doing there. I don't get to watch those chats too often. But we'll work on trying to bring this this guest back on with us in a future episode. Uh, we're going to work harder to try and bring some guests on here to speak so you don't just have to hear myself, Dylan, and Alan each week. 
Oh, don't worry. We're just plotting um, your removal from your duties and your office. So uh, you won't even, I mean, listeners won't even have to hear you anymore. It'll just be Alan and I and whoever we bring on. Go for it, you guys. Hashtag more out. If you guys want to do that, go for it. You guys could can run this awesome setup that I run here and, and try and figure things out. Um, but we do got some stuff to talk about. There was some roster movements this past week as Orange County, I guess you could say they made history, U.S. soccer history for the men's. Uh, and they also played a match this past Friday, which was also our watch party that we did. So um, Dylan, Alan, myself, my wife, we went out to a local pizza place. We invited everyone that is an Orange County Soccer Club fan. Uh, I, I want to say, what did we have? Four, six, seven, eight, like about 10, 10 people show up. Uh, and then we also tried to work the the pizza place and convert some fans over. And I, I, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, we did a decent job. I know there was one family there that seemed pretty excited when they saw what we were watching and saw the screen and was trying to show it to their kids and uh, – Thanks to Orange County Soccer Club for providing some giveaways that we were able to give some of those fans that maybe were not too aware of the team that we were able to maybe try and help convert them and bring in some new fans to the stadium. So let's talk about before we get into the match and the watch more about the watch party. Let's talk about the roster movements that were announced or the roster movement uh, that was announced this week. I'm going to hand it off to Dylan because he sort of uh, got to actually find out the most about what was going on with this, other than uh, what was posted on the uh, interwebs and social media. So Dylan, um, for any of our listeners that have been hiding under a rock for the past few days, can you let them know uh, what the big announcement was? Yeah, we signed a 14 year old that's actually physically capable of being a professional, unlike Freddie Adu. Um, his name is Francis Jacobs. He's from Laguna Beach. He's been playing with the U23s for the last few months, played a good chunk of time against the U17s. Um, what was that, two weeks ago now? And um, I think he's about 5'11", so he's young, but he, he's already got that physical stature and, you know, he'll only grow into his body as he gets older. But uh, like a box-to-box defensive midfielder, um, kind of starting his career. And uh, he he had a couple trials with some, some bigger European clubs, but decided to turn it down to stay here. Uh, wanted to be home, close to his family, his friends, um, kind of enjoy being a being a teenager and being a person as much as um, he's ready to be a professional. Um, he's got his sights on playing in Europe and uh, developing to be able to to play in Europe. But, um, you know, for the meantime, he said his goal is to start um, by making the starting 11 as often as possible and to, to get as good as possible here and move on. And that's a sentiment that's echoed in, or that's been echoed by, um, Braden Cloutier and by um, Oliver Vies as well. Um, everyone seems really excited to have him here, and he seems really excited to be able to stay home and play professionally. Um, he's totally still 14, um, and you kind of get that sense uh, talking to him and just kind of like looking at him. You're like, you are a, you are definitely a child, um, but he's he's pretty mature, um, and you can already tell that. Um, you know, if luck goes his way and, and he develops as everyone seems to think he can, that he can be a European player in the future. So I, I do have to ask you, Dylan, uh, what is it like to have someone that is seven years your younger uh, playing basically professionally in soccer? How does that make you feel? Um, pretty inadequate because when I was 14, that's when I stopped playing soccer. So I could have been doing this instead. If only 
Orange County Soccer Club was around back when you were 14 years old. Yeah, really. <laughs> I might have continued playing. Uh, Alan, what are your thoughts on this signing? Is this um, – let me ask you this. This will sort of a little wrinkle to the question here. Is if Orange County was maybe sitting more at the top of the table, do you think this would have been something that they'd be announcing at this point? Or is this something more where they're now positioned uh, not where quite where we want them to be? Is this maybe something just to sort of help – energize the fans, get them excited and sort of already now looking towards what's going to happen in the following season with some of these younger players that maybe they're trying to add and and play. Uh, I would like to hope that this would have been announced anyway. I think, you know, you're in a top three spot. You're saying like, Hey, look how good we are. And we're preparing for the future. Like, I think you can spin it either way. I do think that maybe they signed them a little bit earlier to generate some news and some press in a way that wouldn't like, uh, I mean, they're getting some national attention from this now. Uh, they're in that conversation because he is that young player. Um, but you just look at what Aaron Cervantes has been able to do. And they, he brought up, they brought them in when he was like 15. Um, so not that much older. And now we have a, when, you know, right before he started, he was 16 and he was 17 when he started. So he's not like 17 going on 18. He's like just turned 17. So I think it, if you find those youth players, you get them in, you give them some starts and you mix in some of those younger guys with the old guys and um, you develop those players and then you sell them on and fund your team. Um, I don't think it's a bad idea. Uh, I think uh, some of the guy, American guys in Europe were signed at, at 15 and uh, they were still able to develop in a professional setting. And I think that's really important for a lot of these players to not to step out of that kind of um, the amateur stage and really step up and be able to develop as a professional player uh, and actually, you know, get compensated or uh, train with professionals. I think just sitting next to them, and being around them when they train, I think, is super important to development. You you can't just be the best in a small pond. You got to sometimes get thrown in with the big fishes. And I think that's just going to help uh, to drive soccer development, especially in Orange County. Um, they have you know some youth programs they're going to pull from, and it, this is just going to make it even more exciting for kids because they can see a direct path between I am learning how to play soccer to I can be a professional in my backyard. And that's a huge step forward. That wasn't something when I was a kid that people even thought of. Uh, so now that there is this pathway of if you're good enough and you work hard enough, you know, you don't even have to be uh, driving a car. You can be trained with professionals. And I, I think it, it's just going to excite people because you can't do that in most other sports. And I think uh... – with soccer, that's like the the sport that sort of has embraced the youth movement. A lot of sports, when you look at, say, football, they sort of require their their players to go to like, I think they have to be three years out of high school before they can enter the NFL or something like that. Or maybe it's two years, something like that. Baseball, you can go straight from high school. But if you do choose to go to college, then you have to commit to like two or three years of college. Basketball at one point was drafting quite a bit of high school players. And then they decided, no, we don't like that. So we're going to make, you have to go to college at least one year. So there's been all these 
pushes from uh, the other sports in the U.S. to sort of say, we want you to go to college. We want you to be a little bit more mature. Where soccer has always seemed to be that sport worldwide, where if you can find someone young, bring them in, develop them. And, and like Alan said, either develop them and sell them for some money. Or if you do have more prestige, you develop them, you try and just bring them up into your into your system uh, and the uh, senior level. When you look at like gymnastics, tennis, golf, some of these like uh, these other sports, they there is an avenue to turn professional early. Um, but I think those are different kinds of sports than uh, maybe soccer, football, baseball are. Um, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be, you know, if we have an opportunity to do that, we should do that. I mean, in gymnastics, if you're, you know, not winning by 18, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, you know, ten- <laughs> tennis, if you're not winning grand slams by 21, you're, you know, you're pretty much on the the downward trajectory of your career. You, those are the kind of some of those younger sports. And we see that if you find someone special, they can perform at a high level and compete. Um, and I think football, there's a um, you might die element of that, which True. I think stops that. True. But uh, I think with soccer, you find that special kid. He's like 5'11". Uh, he looks like a dude already. Uh, he's just going to, you know, fill out. If you can get him into a professional setting, you know that he's probably going to develop into something special. And, and as a 14-year-old, he already has more facial hair than um, than Dylan does. So, Dylan, True. did you have a thought True. or anything you wanted to say on this topic? Yeah, I mean, I just – I don't necessarily think that the NCAA is great for for development, especially if you're 14 and you're already, like, physically – or at least um, technically ready to play professionally sitting around for four years and destroying your high school and then your club team. And, and just like sitting around and beating kids that are never going to be nearly as good as you into the ground, isn't going to do anything for your development. Like you're going to hit a ceiling and you're going to stay there for a long time. And at the level that Jacob seems to be at right now, the NCA doesn't make any sense for him either because he's not really going to be challenged necessarily, even at some of the bigger, bigger schools. We saw that with like Frankie Amaya, you know, he put a year in at UCLA and then decided, no, I'm, you know, I'm too good for this. And, um, and went to, to MLS and, you know, he's been playing in Cincinnati and he was good here. So I think, yeah, this, I think people in the U S are finally realizing that soccer development really starts at a younger age. Um, even professionally. And the only reason those guys are ever going to be good enough to make it at a professional level is starting early and playing professionally early, or at least playing with professionals early and learning how they see the game and being um, subjected to the physicality and the intensity of the professional game rather than some like part-time collegiate or high school sport. Um, but, you know, they, they also mentioned like, if he, if he, for whatever reason, decides, he, you know, he still wants to go to college, they have the educational fund. Um, so, you know, his, if he decides to go to college, you know, his degree will still be paid for. Um, and all that he's given up is the ability to play college soccer, which, yeah, again, at his level, isn't a sacrifice at this point. So, yeah, no, definitely. Um, let me ask you, gentlemen, then we'll start with you, Alan. Um, odds on a scale of one to 10, 10 being for sure, one being no way. Uh, what are the odds that we see uh, him on the pitch and actually getting minutes this weekend against Vegas? Oh, this weekend? Yes, this weekend. <sighs> um, 
with all the buzz around it, you know, like you said, national attention, New York Times, USA Today, ESPN, Yahoo Sports, everyone's talking about it. So, I mean, it's one of those things. Do you put them in there at least even maybe for the final 10 minutes to to sort of get that hype or keep that hype going? Or do you slowly work them in and maybe have them sit and watch a little bit more and, and work his way into potential playing time? I think uh, odds. Give me the odds. That's odds. Um, I'd say 50, 50. I think there's a chance that if a game goes the right way and he, you know, you put him on the bench and if things are going the right way, you might roll him out there for a home start, especially against Vegas. Um, so I'd say 50, 50. What about you, Dylan? Odds. One out of 10. The only way he even makes, like, honestly, the only way he plays and he'd come on as a sub is if we're blowing out Vegas, but I don't think he makes the, the 18. Um, I think there's a bunch of guys in front of him who are still a little more qualified at this point in the season. And he knows that. And Cloutier has basically said as much. You know, he's available, but it's unlikely. I mean, we'll probably see him in like a year. Same thing with Aaron. You know, sit around, get used to being a professional, develop physically, and then get thrown in. Um, as much as I'd love to keep talking about this, because it's it was a pretty awesome piece of news to get uh, after what happened in the last match. But we do have a match to talk about, which I know many of you probably are already muting this podcast now or turning it off because you don't really want to hear anything about the match up in the Pacific Northwest as Orange County traveled up to Tacoma to face Tacoma Defiance. Um, copyright should have been to Allen, but he didn't do that in time. Or not Alan, um, Andy, Andy, not Alan. Alan. I'm giving you credit, Alan. That's not even yours to get. Um, but we we do have to talk about this match. Uh, Orange County did go up early, or not early, but they went up first, 1-0 on a Michael Seaton goal, I believe it was, from a great cross, I believe from Deand- uh, DeAndre, uh, Darwin Jones. Uh, and then two unanswered That's goals. That's correct. Two, an- two unanswered goals from Tacoma, and I think this was we, – we talked about it last week. This is the match where you look on paper, you look at stats, you look at every single little thing, and it should have been a, a win for Orange County. I, I, I think if, if, if I was a betting man and I would have gone to Vegas and put money on Tacoma to win this match and get the full three points, I probably would have a nice maybe 100 bucks in my hand this week. But – it is what happened. It, Orange County loses another match on the road. That's been like sort of their Achilles heel this whole season is road matches. Uh, they lose another one of those matches that we all said last week they have to and they should win. So, um, yeah, it's it's a tough one. It, it was a tough one. And we did our, our fan viewing party. I think we were all like hoping this was going to be a great experience. It was going to be a win. It was going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Props, though, to those that showed up. We did do a little bit of chanting in a pizza place. We did get the attention of some of the people there. Uh, so it was pretty cool. Uh, we definitely will plan some sort of watch party again in the coming weeks or at least in the coming month or so. Uh, let me go to you, Dylan. What are your thoughts on this match? And is there anything we could take out of this match that was a positive well, this match was super embarrassing and i think that's the most you could say was it just like what what else can you say the, the worst team in the league and they're terrible it's a bunch of kids you should be beating a bunch of kids with established professionals and it doesn't happen and you give up two unanswered goals. It was just, it's embarrassing all the way around. I don't know if there's any 
I think the one positive is that Darwin Jones and Michael Seaton are still working really well together. Maybe that's the one thing you could take from it because otherwise, no, there's not a lot of good that came out of that match. Alan, what about you? Uh, to me, it was just super frustrating. Um, it's one of, it was another one of the Orange County games where there was probably two or three opportunities for them to score a clean goal. And the guy who had the best shot either didn't take it or deferred or you put it wide one way or just, you know, it just, it's kind of been the calling card of Orange County this year. This like Jekyll and Hyde, you play well, you don't play well. And sometimes in games, the buildup's great and you have this opportunity to have an open net and the guy you want to take the, like the guy who's in the best chance to take that shot gives it up to a guy who thinks he's the goal scorer. And it's like, you kind of want that deference from time to time, but sometimes you just got to pounce on that ball and put it in the net. Um, It was very, very frustrating. It seemed like they started to get frustrated. And instead of slow down and be patient and build up, they were just dumping balls over the top again. And that works, you know, once out of every 10 times, maybe to even maintain possession. And they're a much better team when they they do build up and they do play together because they can. I just think sometimes they get a little bit frustrated because they should be beating these kids, but for some reason they're behind because it's soccer, football. Um, But to me it was just super – it was such a super frustrating game to watch, Uh, and I'm sure it was probably a super frustrating game for the guys in the field too. Uh, so as you both gentlemen, uh, as both of you gentlemen were talking, we do have the highlights courtesy of USL Championship Productions. So those are going on for those of you that are watching the live stream on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, wherever you watch this. Uh, if you're listening to the uh, to the podcast, then just know you can watch us typically on Tuesday evenings at 8:30. This evening we started a little late because of a bunch of wonderful technical issues and all that. Oh, also one reminder that I forgot at the beginning of the episode two is that the orange box soccer cast uh, is brought to you by roughneck scarves, part of beautiful game network, all that wonderful stuff. And you'll learn a little bit more of that uh, as we go through. Uh, I agree with you gentlemen. This was just a very frustrating match uh, in, in bunch of, of ways. Um, I mean, Towards the uh, probably the last maybe 30 minutes of this match, you could tell Orange County was pressing. They were trying to figure out anything they could do to get a goal. I think some of the players were uh, taking shots that probably weren't the greatest opportunities out there. There was also some opportunities like Alan was mentioning where a ball was dropping at like the feet of two players and neither player wanted to go get that ball. Both of them sort of took a step back and said, you get it, you get it. And then, of course, Tacoma gets it. uh, And that ruins any opportunities there. Um, there's just something off with the chemistry on this team this season. I I don't, I can't piece together what it is because there's some quality players there that have played in pretty good leagues or, or good competitions around the world. So there's really no excuse as to why this can't be put together. It's not like it's a full change of the roster from last season. There still are some key pieces out there. Uh, We all sort of hoped with Christian Duke rejoining the lineup that would maybe uh, change things or at least put some positive in this, this season from where we've been at, but just something is just off with this team and with what's going on out there. I don't know, Dylan, is, is there anything that you can say or any thoughts or is there 
someone that's frustrating you or is there a strategy that's frustrating you um, that you're seeing, not just from this game, but from the team in general all season? No, no individual player has ever frustrated me on this team and no individual player has frustrated me this season. Of course not. Um, One strategy that does piss me off is the fact that we just resort to the long ball every time stuff stops working. We did it last year against Oklahoma when we, were, we just threw everyone on. We brought on Walker Hume as a late up sub. Front, up front. Alex Crowley up. We're just like, all right, we're going to pump the ball full of crosses and have these guys knock them down. And it rattled Oklahoma, and they started making mistakes, and we eventually came back. But those two goals weren't a result of us pumping the box. It was just of that pressure. This year we're just – okay, maybe I don't have a pass that's on, so I'm just going to hoof it up field and hope for the best. But we're down a goal and there's five minutes left. And I just, I don't understand why that's the default for these players anymore. We're not absorbing a bunch of pressure when we're in possession, especially not against, especially not against a team like Tacoma. So it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and since you've goaded me into saying it anyway, um, king of block shots this season, Harry Forrester had four block shots. No, I'm sorry. He blocked four shots. Um, but yeah, he also had four block shots while attacking. So, you know, it's the same same thing every time. Bunch of long passes, bunch of crosses that don't go anywhere, don't get completed. Sure, some of them are fouls. And, you know, that's how the game goes. But just not ideal really um at any point the game slows down when he's on the ball and it's not really for the better especially when you're playing against a bunch of teenagers but whatever i could go on and on like every week about how underwhelming this has been i'll save my my true end of season thoughts when i can rub it in for you know the end of the year but it's just you know one little setback and then all of a sudden Let's just play long balls forward, even though Darwin Jones is like 5'10". And, and I, I think in this match at the watch party, I, I think all three of us were getting very frustrated with that, with the strategy that we were seeing there with the long ball. Uh, I probably can say we all at some point were yelling at the, the, the TV that we were all looking at there while this was going on. You probably were the loudest of it, Dylan. But yeah, definitely just very frustrating that... Uh, such a quality team, especially you're going against a Tacoma team that has a lot of youngsters. Not saying these young guys aren't talented, but it's it's a team that you should be able to break down. They don't have the experience uh, of of defending pressure like that. And so you should be able to move the ball around with the team that you have here in Orange County. You should be able to find a way to move the ball around, break down the defense, find that hole, and get a good quality shot instead of almost every single time trying that long ball to try and hope that you can get some sort of lucky bounce or something. Um, I was about to ask Alan something like that, but it looks like we've lost connection to him here uh, momentarily. He just doesn't want to talk about this game. That's how yeah, I think he got, him, got him so upset too. Yes. Uh, oh, there oh. he is. Yes. Uh, we were just, we were just talking about you uh, leaving us because you got so upset on this Tacoma match, Alan. Um, I was just, we, you, I think you sort of heard what Dylan was talking about with just sort of this, this reliance on the long ball that Orange County seems to be doing most of the season. I was just saying that how frustrating it was. I think we all three of us were sort of yelling at the TV uh, while this was going on. And I look at it as you're playing against a young Tacoma team 
uh, with experience that Orange County has, we should have been trying more to break down Tacoma, uh, moving the ball around, getting the, the Tacoma defense out of position, finding that hole and getting a really good quality shot. Uh, what, what do you think of that? Do you, would that have maybe been a better opportunity or better strategy for the team? I I think instead of the default being a long ball, the default should be the buildup. And then you mix in a long ball every once in a while to make sure you keep them honest. That way, if the long ball doesn't work, you're still trying to keep them honest uh, and using the buildup as your main attack. It's almost like, hey, our wing guys are fast. So if I just kick it longer, they're going to run onto it and we're going to be all right. Um, and I think that's a little bit unfair to some of the frontline players uh, to put that much pressure on them. Um, a lot of our successful attacks uh, don't come from the long ball. It comes from getting the ball in the corner, getting the ball uh, close to the touch lines, um, stretching the defense, and then you know pulling it back through the box. Uh, those seem to be, or even shorter crosses in to uh, get headers on the ball. There were so many that were so close. Um, and any one of those connecting, we're talking about a different game. But those were those moments were closer than the moments of that long ball down the, down the wing. Um, I think one of the chances we got was Aiden Quinn to DJ, kind of uh, third of the way past uh, the halfway line, and uh, kind of to change the uh, side of the play. And so every once in a while that's going to work, and I think every once in a while you're going to need to do that to kind of again mix things up. But I think this team. Uh, plays better when everyone's kind of involved in the play. It's uh, the whole team plays. They're connected. I think that also invigorates them on defense. So the whole team offense, whole team defense. And I think when we saw that against Reno, that was what was so exciting is it felt like the whole team was playing defense together. And it felt like the whole team was pressuring. And it felt like when we went forward, like we were all going forward together um, until kind of late in the game. And there's some of those counterattacks, but I believe that we play a little bit better when we kind of slow things down, be patient, uh, hold on to the ball a little bit, build up, break down the defense, and find one of those ball, uh, those tasty balls through to put you know Seton in or DJ in. So that's what I've noticed when we've been <laughs> successful. Perfect. I don't want to talk any more about this match because it just got me too frustrated uh, at our awesome watch party. Although we were still able to get out and do some karaoke. Um, but yeah, uh, we do have another match to talk about. This is an upcoming match and this is going to be orange County hosting Las Vegas lights FC. This is again, what we were talking about earlier with the new youngster that has joined the team, his first official opportunity to get a chance to play. Doesn't mean he will do it. Uh, Dylan said, basically no chance. Uh, Alan said a 50, 50 chance, depending on the situations going on. I, I will say one of our, uh, people that are watching on YouTube, Logan, who was also at our watch party there on Friday, he sort of agrees with you, Alan, that there's maybe a 50-50 chance there. He he gave it a five when we set a scale of one to 10, he said a five. Uh, so who, who knows? There, it's it's all over the place. Probably Dylan's right, because he actually got to talk with the club and Place your bets. Let's see. Vegas is <laughs> Yeah, we're playing Vegas. Might as well play some bets on this, right? Uh, which we cannot do here, at least with our podcast. But if you want to do something as a friendly wager, no money on the line, go forward and do it. I don't have money for that. Uh, no, I have hair. I'm... Yeah, you could bet your hair. You didn't lose it against Reno, which was awesome. Um, but you did chicken out and let uh, Brad get a nice hair. This is being nice. We've... Oh, my God. <sighs> anyway, we're playing another Nevada team. This one far worse than the other one. This one far more disappointing than the other one. 
Meme FC is coming to town on Saturday. Are they bringing the llamas? I hope not, because they don't have anywhere to poop <laughs> in Irvine. And uh, Irvine PD certainly moving down for that. But, you know. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so Las Vegas Lights coming into town to face Orange County this weekend. Uh, it's a chance for Orange County as a home team to get the win, get the full three points. We've talked about their struggles. They did struggle against Las Vegas on the road in Vegas. They only were able to come home with one point in a 1-1 draw against Las Vegas Lights FC. So this is I, – I, I hate to say this or ask this question. Alan, is this a must-win game for Orange County at this point if they have hopes of making the playoffs? I think every home match from now to the end of the season for Orange County is a must-win game. Uh, it's crazy that they're still only three points out of a playoff spot, but they've been kind of three to six points out of a playoff or three points out of a playoff spot kind of all season. So that's just kind of how it is in the West. Uh, but I think um, they don't have they have two, three, four, five more home matches. I think they need to win uh, all five of those. Um, to to make sure they make the playoffs. Uh, they got a tough road game against New Mexico. They got to travel to Portland too. Who knows what you're getting? Tulsa, RGV, and then their last three are Real, Sacramento, and Fresno. So you got to win the, these games against the, the teams that are fighting for that 10th playoff spot. Las Vegas has won one road game all year. They need to win this game. Let's not, um, let's not talk about how bad Vegas has been because I think last episode we were talking about Tacoma, how they've been struggling and the point differential, and look what happened in that. So let's not focus on Vegas's downfall. Let's focus strictly on Orange County and what needs to be done on there. And because I, I don't have confidence that we're confidence that we're going to win because we're playing a team that's struggling. Yeah, I mean, you might look at there's a couple of road games that you're probably going to to lose at worst draw at best. So your home matches from now on, uh, you, you got to play well at home. They usually do, uh, but that hasn't always equated to victories. Sometimes they've equated to draws, uh, even though they play well. Uh, so yeah, these, the last five home games, these are all must win. Um, the fact that we are talking that they might already be kind of counting themselves out of the playoffs already. Um, they lose a home match against a beatable team. Um, or a team that it's in competition for the last playoff spot. That's gonna that's a double whammy. Uh, so yeah, gotta win. And for those of you just listening to our podcast, not watching live on any of our streaming options that are live, uh, when I pr- propose that question to Alan Dylan in the chats on our uh, video here, in all caps, said every game is a must win at this point or something. I'm not quoting him correctly. They I don't are think all that. must win matches now. There we go. That is the official quote there from Dylan himself. So we know what Dylan thinks there. Uh, now, so since you say it that way, let's start off with the Vegas match. Is this a winnable match? And what does Orange County have to do to actually win this match and get the full three points? Yeah, it's a winnable game. Vegas is not a good team. Um, and I really doubt that Eric Winalda is that good of a manager. I think the key here is to not get sucked in to Vegas's stupid play style and the diving and the chippiness and the I'm going to goad you into fake headbutting me so that you get sent off all the dumb stuff that happened in June and that they do to other teams don't get involved in you know this is maybe a game that Mike 
Seton has to be reminded to to stay a little bit cool. Leonardo has to be reminded to stay stay cool. Maybe a game that Contour should be starting because he seems a little bit cooler ahead in terms of some of our fullbacks. But yeah, I mean, we are a better team than Vegas. We're a better team than a lot of teams in the league, I think. And I think the key here is to not get sucked in and playing like them. It's the same time we play, you know, every poor team or every poor uh, team that's lower than us. And the standings is don't play down to their level. Play our game. Make them try and adapt. You know, frustrating this team is not difficult to do. And um, that's kind of the key, I think. They already, when they, you know, they just lost to Fresno on the road. And um, they're going to be missing a player to suspension because he got a straight red card. That's a common occurrence. So, you know, frustrate them. Make them try and break you down. Let them get frustrated and start kicking out at you and, you know, pick up three red cards in a match. So you can beat them four or five, one. Or better yet, don't let them score at all. It's, you know, it's the simple stuff. Um, oh, and run their legs off because Irvin Parr is, you know, super fat. They're not fit. They're not a not a physically gifted team. Uh, Dylan, you just love God, I hate players. Vegas, man. Like I can't even explain. Yeah, uh, it's just they're professional athletes, and they got they weigh like forty more pounds than me, and they're the same height. And it's just... muscle. It's muscle. Uh, Alan, do you agree with uh, Dylan in his assessment of what needs to be done to win this match? Yeah, I think when Orange County plays their game at the level that they want to, they're one of the better teams in the league. Uh, the problem is that they've been inconsistent. They've been uh, they go away from it for whatever reason. They like have bad habits built up somewhere, or maybe they just revert back to those uh, in, in stressful situations. Um, but when they play confidently and they play their game, they're a tough team. Uh, it doesn't mean you're going to win every game, but they're a tough team that should be in the playoff hunt they're, with the players they have on the field. Uh, so, you know, if they play like that playoff team and they play with that confidence and play with that kind of patience and calm that, you know, playoff teams have championship teams have. Uh, I think that, yeah, that's the, the, that's the formula that's going to get them three points on Saturday. Perfect. Uh, then let's do this. Um, let me ask you, Alan, I'll go back to you. Who needs to step up in this match for Orange County to be successful? Um, I'd like to see uh, Aiden Quinn step up, and I know we talk that he's not a vocal leader, uh, but he doesn't need to be a vocal leader. I think he just needs to be that voice in the field. Uh, I think Christian Duke can, needs to continue to be that voice on the field as well. That and and even Michael Orozco, I think maybe he can he can show. I mean, they talk about how much of a leader he is in in uh, training, um, and he's kind of quietly doing that. Maybe he just needs to you know take charge at some point. Um, and either calm them down uh, to get them to kind of slow down or uh, to get them up uh, to start the game. Uh, I think we come out hot, we come out fast. We've shown that when we score first early, we tend to do well. Um, but I, I think, you know, those three guys that are uh, our supposed leadership on the field, I think uh, they just need to continue to, to be those leaders and to hold those younger players and, the younger ones accountable, but also the guys that you might not think are, uh, are need that encouragement. Um, I think the, the front line's doing really well. 
DJ uh, to Seton seems to be a combo that's been clicking lately. Uh, so I'd like to see some of the, the defensive midfield and maybe the defensive midfielders kind of be a little more vocal and uh, kind of take charge of the game and make sure that we build the way we should be building as opposed to dumping it over. Perfect. Dylan, any last thoughts on this match before we go to our predictions? We need to win. <laughs> it would have been awesome if Dylan would have just turned his mic on and stayed quiet and we just hear the crickets. Yeah, okay. Oh, um, and we need to win. This isn't what the stadium should sound like on Saturday. Yes, fans, show up, come out, cheer your team on. To it's victory. not even short. Like, if they're listening to this podcast, they probably show up to most games. True. But, it, I mean, get loud. The The players need it at this point in the season. Does anyone want to volunteer to go break down on uh, the highway between Vegas and Orange County and take up all the lanes and just sort of block it for like a day or two so none of the Vegas supporters make their way out to the stadium? That'd be pretty cool. Um, let's do this. I can't even hear them. All, there's like a drum line. They're like a crappy drum line. Not they're even real. Alan could save don't, them. Don't they, don't they wear like the Lucha Libre, the, whatever those are? Yeah, those wrestler masks. Um, let's get to the predictions. I'm going to start with Dylan because you're the last one we heard from. Dylan, your match prediction as far as score and who is – well, we don't really need to go who's going to be the key of the match. Let's just get the score. 2-1 OC. Seton. Jones he wants, wants to. Oh, who's scoring? Seton and Jones. Perfect. We'll I want Mike to be. Yeah, yeah. Alan, uh, prediction for score and who's scoring the goals? Um, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, a two-one victory would be uh, very nice. Um, I think uh, DJ gets an assist on a Seton goal again, uh, and I'd like to see uh, Coleman get on the board as well. Perfect. Um, I'm going to agree with you guys. Two-one, but just for you know, purposes of wanting to not be so perfect in, in our predictions or as far as uh, confident in our predictions. And just because when I seem to be negative on Orange County, they surprise everyone and, and do the opposite. So I'm going to say 2-1 Vegas, hoping that that's going to... You're not a fan, man. You got to believe in your team. Every time we all three believe in a win, we tend to lose. So I'm going to... I don't think that's the issue here. I'm Ray. going to say 2-1 to one Vegas, hoping that this reverses something and we end up getting the victory. So two you know, to one I, Vegas, uh, the one goal scored for Orange County will be from um, Orozco. I, I pour through the stats <laughs> every week after matches and I look and you know what I've never seen as a stat? Podcast hosts predictions. Amazingly. We're going to start keeping that stat. Alan, I'm going to put you in charge of keeping track of that stat of, of what we pick and what the results are and how often when we all pick a victory does Orange County lose and how often when I just randomly pick uh, the other team to win, we end up winning. We're going to have to somehow keep track of that stat. Uh, I think it's worked one time, by the way. It worked against Phoenix. Yeah. Wow. At home. Three that, months ago. And that was also the last time they lost a the game. So, see? Yeah, congrats to them, honestly. It's something. Been, it's something. They've been grinding out the results that, well, you know, the last three matches for them haven't no, been great. No, congratulations. And, and look at this. Phoenix, man. Oh, That's God. how we played last year. That's how we need to be playing right now. We need to grind out those really nasty, terrible, stupid games and finish them. We just don't do it. So we got to figure out how to get that going again. 
In Phoenix fans, instead of going to Dollar Beer Night, you should go to your only attraction in the city. Go to the Butterfly Garden to hang out there. Uh, enjoy yourselves. Let Phoenix lose the game finally. Um, yes, and I'll be happy. Uh, let's then let's move ahead. Oh, I, yeah, we all did our predictions. Let's move ahead now. Let's talk about other soccer stuff. We do have to talk about other roster movement that happened this past week, and that is uh, former Orange County SC forward striker whatever position you want to position you want to call him uh former mvp finalist former was he he was he golden boot or was he second golden boot runner up golden boot runner up thomas enavoldson is now a member of sacramento republic fc a team that we're going to be battling for in the west for playoff positioning or potentially even meeting in the playoffs I think there are a lot of supporters that didn't mind when he went to Indy 11 because that was the Eastern Conference. The only chance of having to face him would be if both teams made it to the to the USL Championship Cup final. But now he's direct competition for us. I know, Dylan, you had got a chance to speak with uh, some of the front office over there, Orange County. And there was this sort of chance that he was going to come back to us, but just the the two sides couldn't come to an agreement. So he ended up going to... Sacramento, who is still in that aspiration for MLS uh, stage. So they're probably more willing to spend money on players thinking that it'll help enhance their bid to MLS. Um, how close do you know, Dylan, how close Orange County was at potentially bringing in a Volson back? I do know they were in talks for a little bit about it, um, but they ultimately couldn't agree. Um, Oliver kind of hinted that it might've been something to do with, it wasn't this season. Um, but it was something to do with next season and what he was asking for um, in his contract next year. And they couldn't agree to terms on that. And he said, you know, it sucks to, to lose a player of his quality, but they, um, they're they a little bit more focused right now on investing in younger players that they can develop, um, that can do a job for Orange County, maybe not this season, but next in two seasons and, and then sell them on from there. So it definitely hurt. I, I read the news like right as I got into the office and just went, Oh man. Um, I was hoping we were trying to bring him back and, and the club confirmed that, but just, you know, Sacramento is a lot of money right now. Um, getting rid of Josh Cohen, getting a transfer fee for him, freeing up that, um, that uh, contract space. And that payroll, you know, we, we can't compete with that. Everyone, I think everyone in the league really knows that we don't run a massive payroll here. And um, we haven't been able to to sell anyone on. So, you know, it's hard to bring in probably, I'm going to say, one of the USL's best players. Yeah. Life goes on, right? Life goes on. That's what we got to say every week at this point. Cause... Look, look at Dylan <laughs> quoting Tupac there, huh? Um. Alan, uh, would you have been excited if Enavoltson would have been back in uh, orange and black and white? Uh, of course. Uh, a player of that quality, you always would want to welcome them in if it works out. And it's um, if it's good for the team and it's good for the long-term health of the team. You obviously don't want to bring a guy in who might you know, damage some projects that are going on in the future. Um, again, we can only speculate on what is going on in the front office, uh, but you just have to trust uh, that they are – uh, building for the future uh, while trying to win now. And um, and maybe a player like that doesn't allow you to do both of those. Uh, it makes you kind of pick and do one. 
Um, I mean, that's kind of why Indy 11 is doing what they're doing. Uh, things weren't, they weren't the top two teams in the East. So they looked to change things up. And, you know, Ed Volton is kind of one of the fall guys and they brought in like three new signings or something. Uh, so you want someone like that to come in. But again, if it means that some, like someone's not going to get a, a start who's playing well, um, you know, maybe you just say, hey, he's a good player, but he's not a great fit. Um, and with uh, USL teams, especially uh, not big, deep pockets, you, you have to play that way. You have to play, let's put together 11 of the best pieces that will play together and maybe not be the best individuals at every single spot. Um, I mean, that's the 2003 uh, Angels World Series roster. Uh, there weren't like, there was like a couple of all-star guys, but it was just a, a bunch of guys who played really well together. And Orange Wasn't County. 2002. Sure. Um, <laughs> whatever. Um, you made Alan lose his thought. <laughs> is it uh, but it, it, I, I think way to, go, you, way to go. I think even when you look at a team like Phoenix, who's successful, you wouldn't say that all of those players are the best players at those positions. Just for some reason, they have a really good magical chemistry that they all seem to like Megazord together and create this like beast uh, that's running through the USL West right now. And I think Orange County had that last year. It's just a good group of guys that played really well together. Uh, and maybe that's the one thing we're missing is. Uh, you know, they're not all green lines like they might have been last year when you're building a team. Some of them might be, you know, yellows or reds, things that don't quite match. Um, and maybe, team reference yeah, there. yeah. So I think maybe that's the issue. Maybe it's some, it's not, not one thing or one player. It's just how they all fit together. Like oatmeal raisin cookies. They're cookies and cookies are eat delicious, but raisins are liars. So, um, uh, <laughs> oh. so I, I, I just think that, yeah, you bring him in if you can, uh, but if not, you know, you go forward with the players you have, especially in the front line. It's it's not like we don't have guys who can't score goals. And see, so you talk about like, yeah, there's not a lot of money. It's why like when Dylan plays football manager, he doesn't go after the big name players. He goes after players like Nohu Tolo, uh, who are very. That was unknown. not the purpose of that tweet <laughs> at all. It wasn't even a tweet, text, sorry. <laughs> a text. Uh, yeah, inside joke. We're totally losing people on that. But yeah, uh, if you play football manager, be like Dylan and, and go after Know Who Tolo. Uh, it's all about the Wonder Kids. He's Sign from, him, you know. He's from Cameroon, right? Yeah. He's a Cameroonian, according to Dylan's screenshot there. Um, any other information we want to talk about? Soccer, USL, MLS related? Or do we want to move on to our random thoughts? Because it's already super late. I got some. So oh, go ahead, Alan. Uh, congratulations to Carlos Vela. Uh, I believe he is the uh, highest scoring uh, Mexican national uh, in MLS history. And he's, I believe he ch- also tied uh, Giovinco for most combined goals and assists in a single season uh, in MLS. Uh, so congratulations to Carlos Vela. Dylan? Uh, congrats to Luton Town for advancing in the EFL Cup today. They made 11 changes from their match against Cardiff on the weekend, played one center back, Who were and you guys playing? came away with a 3-1 victory against Ipswich Town. Oh, that's why you're playing Ipswich Town. Come on, man. Ugh. What are you trying to complain about? We played one center back. Hopefully Luton Town 
makes it to a match against Tottenham so we can show you what real soccer is like uh, in North London. <laughs> I Oh, man. Yes. All right, yes. Was it the Champions yeah. League final? Uh, where, where, where was Luton Town for that? A little bit busy winning League One. Oh, okay. That, that yeah. bit more. You um, think Tottenham's financially well run? Oh, man. Let me tell you about Luton Town. I can host an entire <laughs> podcast. No one's listening, but anyway, is there a, a little victory? You should start with Dylan. We'll I'll I'll manage host like doing all the work for you on on my end. You could just talk Luton Town all day. You could do it no at like four that. in the morning, so you could bring someone actually from England to join you. Um, I don't really have. I, I'm not even going to get into Tottenham stuff because I know y'all don't want to hear it. So let me just say that Dylan and I enjoyed Up watching the, the Tottenham match. It was awesome. Um, so random thoughts, Alan, we'll start with you. Cause I want to get you to bed. You got a, you got a big day tomorrow. I do have a big day tomorrow. First day with students, uh, for the start of the year and they finished construction and painting my classroom, uh, right about the time I left today. Uh, so it's going to be quite a busy and stressful day tomorrow. Uh, but I am... So you're going to have extra asbestos in your classroom tomorrow. Yes. Okay, yes. Perfect. perfect. Yeah. Cause, uh, sharing is caring. Uh, my random thought has to do with um, two penguins in a German zoo in Berlin. Um, these two penguins are uh, a gay penguin couple. I saw this like 12, 11 years ago on Parks and Rec. Right. But uh, even, be- no, no, even better than that, uh, they have adopted an egg. Uh, there was a female penguin that was having birth. Uh, they weren't raising the egg or hatching the eggs very well. And the males had displayed... Uh, evidence that they had wanted to do this, like with pebbles, they were practicing, literally practicing to be parents. Uh, and they accepted the egg and are taking turns uh, nursing the egg. So um, nature. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of interesting. Skipper and Ping are their names, and they have eagerly adopted the egg. And if all goes well, they will have a baby chick. So it's uh, they were right there in uh, Berlin. So uh, keep an eye out for the two Berlin gay penguins and their hopefully successful hatched who ruined baby penguin. That, who ruined the penguin naming and not instead of naming it Ping, you should have named it Gilligan. Who ruined uh, that? Uh, they're Germans. They I don't think they can have fun legally. Uh, okay. Yeah, everything has to be very serious. Um, so that would not be allowed. That would not be allowed. Yeah, that just reminds me of the old Dana Carvey show sketch with uh, like the him it's like steve carell and dana carvey saying like nice things but in german and sounding really mean it just is it's really funny if you if you get a chance check it out you can actually watch all their episodes like all eight episodes on hulu which is pretty cool dylan random thought um what happened to family values my god gay penguins what's next gay unicorns I was going to make a joke, but I think it's a little bit too woke for Orange County, so I'm not going to say anything, and I'll just text it instead later. Um, I just want to say the internet can be a really cool place. Um, earlier this week, maybe it was last week, I was hopping on to play some Rocket League with my brother in the morning before he was going to work and before I started my day, and um, I'm a member of a Luton Town chat and this guy saw I was playing Rocket League and he had just gotten home from work. So I ended up playing like four or five games with a guy from Luton and my brother. And that was really cool. It's a really small world, I got to say. Um, I'll shut up about Luton. But, you know, <laughs> when you are nice to people, <laughs> amazingly, they're generally nice back. I don't know why Alan's dancing around like he's Peter Crouch right now. 
I was singing It's a Small World, but I kept muting because I didn't want us to get sued. Smart. Yeah, that rat, mouse, mouse rat thing doesn't, that's another Parks and Rec. I'm going to stop talking. Everyone, have a lovely week. I'll see you on Saturday. Cool. My random thought. Uh, thanks once again to everyone that showed up to the first ever Orange and Black Soccer Cast fan viewing party for the match against Tacoma. I wish the outcome would have been a lot better, but it was still a fun time with other Orange County Soccer Club fans in a pizza place that was pretty busy. I mean, there was a lot of people there and there was a lot of people that noticed us cheering and chanting. So um, again, fingers crossed that we at least got a few people that at least now know about Orange County Soccer Club and maybe have some interest in it. I know there was one family it was like, you know, a, dad, a couple, actually, it was like two families, I think, sitting together, and they were, I, I heard some of them talking about potentially uh, bringing the kids out to a match, which would be pretty cool. Uh, also, uh, for those that didn't go, because no one else came with us, uh, we did do the the karaoke thing afterwards. It was uh, an awesome success. We got to hear uh, Alan singing some uh, Neil Diamond, which was pretty cool. Uh, Dylan got up and sang ASAP Rocky with me. He was my hype man out there doing the chorus. Uh, and yeah, it was it was a pretty amazing time at the karaoke bar. We'll definitely do it again sometime. Uh, and yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, with that said, I think we're good to go. This is just super late now because we got off to a super late start. Uh, Alan, quickly, social media, go. A Underwood forty eight on the Twitter. Dylan, you can find me on Twitter at ocsc underscore Dylan or on Reddit slash u slash ocsc underscore Dylan. You can find me on Twitter at DJ Race More. You can find the soccer cast on Twitter at OCSC underscore soccer cast. Same thing for Instagram on Facebook. Just type in Orange Black Soccer Cast and you'll be able to find us. Uh, for Alan, for Dylan, this is the Orange Black Soccer Cast, and we are out. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and U.S. soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com.